I eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff. Now it's super enjoyable for me. It's relaxing. I'm just a full-blown furniture guy, and uh, you know I, I love every second of it. That's the voice of Zach Pascarella, owner of Wiseau Wood Company, and I'm excited to talk with him right after a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is software to organize and manage your business. From quoting a project to getting paid to everything in between, Jobber software brings everything together to make projects easy to manage and customers happy, giving you more time in your day and getting you paid faster. Go to getjobber.com Ethan or check out the link in the show notes for a free 14-day trial of Jobber. And if you try it now, you get 20% off your first six months when you sign up. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Zach Pascarella, owner of the Buffalo, New York-based furniture company, Wise Owl Wood Company. Zach has rocketed to success in the furniture business. What started as a home project accent wall has grown leaps and bounds into high-end custom tables, corporate client build-outs, and talks of nationwide showrooms. But with such fast success also comes a steep learning curve. And Zach has taken past business knowledge, advice from trusted sources, and his never-say-never attitude and grown his furniture company into the success that it is today. Follow along as we talk about learning from your experiences, choosing employees or contractors, the importance of confidence in yourself, and much more. We have a lot to cover in this episode, so let's get right into it and hear about the ups and downs and everything in between of Zach's story in his own words. So I went to the university at Buffalo for engineering school. I went for mechanical engineering. And while I was in engineering school there, I actually invented a product for pickup trucks. So uh, essentially what this product was is it uh, fastened to the inner portion of a truck's tailgate. And then when you opened your tailgate, it slid out and then unfolded into an eight foot long surface. And that was like a versatile product. So I had different versions of it, but essentially it could have been used for tailgating, like drinking games, stuff like that. And I also had versions for construction workers to make a cool workbench and things of that nature. So I had a few different versions of that. I got that patented. And I actually eventually dropped out of school my junior year to kind of pursue my business venture with that. So I started manufacturing those uh, in a warehouse here in Buffalo, New York. And after about a year and a half of doing that, I was digging myself into credit card debt. So I was trying to create the best product that I possibly could, but I was running into a bunch of issues with human error, error with some of the components that I had made for me. To, to produce a product and things like that. So uh, basically, like I said, I was digging into credit card debt. And at the time I had just got my first apartment and in that apartment, uh, it just wasn't the best shape. And one day I had saw on either Instagram or Facebook that somebody had taken pallet wood and made an accent wall out of it. And I thought it looked really cool. I had like a screenshot of it on my phone for a couple of weeks. And the one day I decided to do that, so I did uh, one accent wall, that one turned to two, and then I ended up having like five or six accent walls in this one apartment. And at the time, like I said, I was you know uh, creating that product for my business, and 
I was working like over a hundred hours a week. I was killing myself and I was living off of my savings that I had uh, in college. I used to, uh, for income, I would flip cars and I would also flip sneakers. Those were kind of like my little side hustles, you could say, uh, to financially support myself while I was in school. So credit card debt running really low on income. And the one night I got home from work and I was painting one of my walls. And I looked up at uh, the accent wall I had done above my stairway. And I really liked the look of that one. That was the last one I did in the house. And it was by far the best. It just looked really captivating. It was really cool. And I thought to myself, you know, people would probably pay good money for that. So this was like at four, four thirty in the morning. So I went upstairs to my bedroom. I opened up my laptop, took a couple of pictures, and I went on Facebook Marketplace. I made up an ad, and I kind of went to bed. And the next morning, when I woke up, I had like thirty-two messages, and I was the only one at the time. So this is when like farmhouse, the whole HDTV like barn door kind of thing was just really, really popular. So. I, I ended up booking three jobs that week and I made like $3,200 cash that first week just doing accent walls. And uh, that snowball affected. I all of a sudden I was doing accent walls left and right, just using this free pallet wood. I would basically drive around Western New York and I would, you know, call warehouses and stuff that, that would have. And sometimes on Facebook marketplace, there was ads for free pallets. So I'd pick them up, I'd take my reciprocating saw, I'd chop them up into planks and I would go nail them on people's walls. And uh, I was able to pay off my credit card debt with my previous business venture really quickly. And then all of a sudden I have people asking me like, hey, do you build barn doors? And I'm the kind of person where I really truly believe, uh, I was taught this at a young age, that I could do anything I put my mind to. Uh, prior to college, I was actually a sponsored skateboarder. Uh, so I used to compete nationwide for skateboarding. And really the only building uh, experience I had was like skateboard ramps and skateboard boxes and rails. However, I've been mechanically inclined and I'm kind of artistic. So, you know, when someone asked, hey, do you build barn doors? I just said, yeah. And what I did is I just taught myself how to build a barn door. I, I was really happy with the results of it. And I started making barn doors for clients. So I was doing accent walls and barn doors. And then that transitioned into building bars and even like high-end wooden and metal dog crates and then uh, shelving units. And then it just kept going on and on. And all of a sudden I was getting contacted by like local restaurants. Hey, could you build a commercial bar? Hey, could you design and build out our entire restaurant? And it just kept snowballing and snowballing. And it's been a wild three years. And uh, now I'm, I'm consistently commissioned to, to build out full restaurants, full office building spaces. I just did a pharmacy recently. Uh, I'm doing a massive outdoor project right now for a university here. So yeah, that's, that's basically my background and where I'm at currently. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's a lot of stuff. And I can really see that, that business spirit coming through in every single one of those things. And that idea of pushing yourself. And when you said you can do anything you put your mind to, I can, I can see that. And that's what led you to where you are today. But the road that you took, even though you summed it up nicely, it's not an easy journey. And there was a lot of things along the way that you needed to learn. So let's jump into that 
that beginning that 4 a.m post of this is what i'm doing anybody out there who wants to pay me for it let me know that that was probably not what you imagined would be the start of a successful furniture business but it was so from that beginning from that first post as things progressed how did you grow your business alongside the orders that were coming in because that's a hard thing to do to not really have a plan in place and just go with the flow but you did it and you were successful at it so what were you doing as more and more customer orders came in on the business side to be able to keep track of that and to be able to make money from it? Well, I think of a plethora of things. So I kind of always had that entrepreneurial spirit from a young age. Um, I actually bought my first car when I was 15 years old off of money I made at a job that I started, uh, you know, working under the table. Um, I've kind of, I've always flipped cars. I've always just found a way to make money. And uh, when I started, when I made that ad, it was, to be honest, it was more almost like a little desperation. I kind of had my back against the wall. Um, I was, I was in a spot financially that I was not used to. Um, I always been pretty good with money. And at the time, like I said, I had credit card debt and I was watching my savings just get smaller and smaller. And uh, so that was, I really had my back against the wall and I was trying to think quick my feet. And when I, when I looked up at the accent wall, kind of just, you know, I, I instantly thought like, you know, people pay good money for this. So like I said, I, I started doing that and, uh, I just was never afraid to say yes to a customer. Like if they, if, if a customer asked me to, to build something and if I didn't know how to do it, I would just kind of figure it out. And the same goes with the whole business aspect. Like I didn't know how to legitimately run a business. It was kind of all learn as I go. And over time, I uh, eventually got a, a mentor who owned the warehouse in which I rented the space from for the business. And I would ask him questions, you know, like I remember the first time I had, it was actually my first commercial job. It was for Supreme Lending slash Allstate. So it was like a corporate office uh, here in here in Buffalo. And they wanted accent walls as well as tables, reception desk, coffee stand, uh, some chairs. They, they wanted a bunch of stuff. And, and it was over, it was a couple different phases that I did the job. But the first phase was like a little over $10,000. I was not used to doing jobs like that. You know, the jobs I was doing was like $2,500 max at the time, all that farmhouse house stuff was pretty inexpensive as far as furniture goes. So having that first $10,000 job that I did, you know, I, I was nervous and I, I had submitted it to them and I didn't hear back for a couple of days. And I was really anxious. You know, I called my mentor and I was like, Hey, should I send a follow-up yet? I don't want to sound like I really am desperate and need this job. You know, I'm just antsy. I want to know what they thought of the quote and stuff like that. And he told me to wait one more day and to, uh, send a follow-up and you know I ended up working out I got that job and then it, it just became more and more and more uh, jobs like that and I was a one-man show for for a while you know I was I was doing my social media I was doing my so-called bookkeeping um, as, as terrible as I was with it but you know I was trying to keep my receipts and 
I was trying to stay on track and, and uh, organize and stuff like that. But, you know, as I got uh, bigger business wise and started doing bigger jobs, I, I now have a bookkeeper. Um, I have an accountant that does, you know, my tax returns for me. So I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Uh, I do about 99% of my social media myself, but for a little bit, I actually hired someone to do that for me. Uh, it just wasn't as personable once I had someone else do it. So I kind of retracted from that. But my whole business journey has been really just trial and error. And um, I've just never been afraid to try anything. You know, I'm not afraid to take risks. I'm, I'm not afraid to be uncomfortable with what I'm doing. You know, I like to try new things and kind of get my feet and toes wet, as you could say, in just about everything. Um, so yeah, it's been you know a really cool learning experience and yeah, I've made tons of mistakes for sure, uh, but I think I've learned from just about most of them, and I think that's you know where it's gotten me today. You know, I've I'm now doing uh, jobs I, I really three years ago I would have never imagined that uh, I'd be doing. You know, I I'll sit in the room now with architects and I I go over schematics and, and uh, structural drawings and stuff like that and work with designers interior designers and stuff like that so when i first started this business i had no idea that it would go off this way i i really thought i was going to be hopefully digging myself out of my little debt hole that i was making with my previous business and maybe be able to help fund that business venture and then but instead this one kind of just catapulted and i really found my true passion I eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff now. It's it's super enjoyable for me. It's relaxing. It's it's just me now. You know, I've I'm just a full blown you know furniture guy, and uh, you know I love every second of it. The work that you do now is so different from what you did when you were starting out. You're doing very high end furniture for. A big price tag. Some of the tables you're selling now are more than the entire $10,000 job you started with. So you've come a long way in not only your style, but your pricing and the way you build things, which is impressive in such a short amount of time. That learning curve for the building and the pricing happened fast and propelled you to where you are right now. So let's talk about your business today. It seems like you have three different avenues. One is the commercial, the commercial build outs and projects like that. Two is custom work. So it's standard custom where people come to you with projects that they want and you design and build them. And the third is sort of spec work where you build things which you think look good, things that you advertise them on your website and sell them from there. So they're already completed pieces in your style, but they're also one-offs. It's not like a collection of furniture that you can repeat. Let's talk a little bit about that, why you decided to build these one-off pieces that you're selling and how that's going for you well you really hit the nail on the head of exactly how my business is structured so that's that's precisely uh what it is and the reason why i actually started doing the one-offs i had done any advertisement at all 
uh, until just when I got my new warehouse location. And when I did, I hired a local uh, marketing firm here to do my social media and then my website. And they said, well, you know, we're going to have to take some content here. I said, well, it's, it's a little difficult because as soon as I finish a custom piece, it's really out the door. And they said, well, could you build some pieces that we could then take in front of this brick wall and kind of have, you know, a section on the website for pre-made pieces that clients could go on. And there's also a section where they could inquire about a custom piece. So basically uh, back to what I was saying is the marketing team is like, I need some, uh, some content. So I started just taking some slabs that I had around the shop that I thought were pretty cool. And, um, a little different from each other. And I wanted to give good example pieces of what I'm able to do. So, you know, I did some that are just, you know, plain live edge. I did some that I utilized the void and, you know, I did like the ocean waves crashing and the epoxy just to show that not only can I fill a hole in with, you know, solid epoxy, but I have the artistic ability to do effects in the epoxy as well. So I basically created like, uh, I want to say like eight to 10, uh, pieces, all a little bit different style, uh, as, as demonstration pieces or show pieces for like my showroom area shop. And then marketing team took pictures of those and then posted them on the website. So unfortunately for me, those haven't been doing very well. They, they really don't, they haven't sold really. I mean, I've sold a couple of them, but they really just kind of sit there because people are drawn to them they love them but what they really love with me is the process and the whole experience that they get with me so a client gets to go through my selection of live edge slabs and then they could choose to design a custom base with me because i have four fabricators that i work with closely that have all different styles as far as fabrication goes so clients really love that tailored experience that they get and as much as they might love that showroom piece that i have they want that full experience they want to choose that slab of wood they want to choose the epoxy choice or or maybe we don't do epoxy maybe we leave those voids wide open and they like that really rustic look and feel um, and they like that experience of choosing the type of table base and the powder color color that we do for the base. And uh, then the finish, whether it be like a, a matte finish with like a Rubio monocoat, or do they want epoxy flood coat on there to have like a high gloss? So that's kind of where those whole example pieces really came from and, and how they sit. People are always wary of building pieces that they don't have a buyer already set for. They are afraid to lay out the money to build pieces that are in their own style because if they're doing custom pieces, people usually just want their own take on it. They might not necessarily want it exactly the way you did it. So you answered my question where they're not selling well so that is the big fear but on the other side they are great advertising they push your custom business forward in a way that you wouldn't be able to advertise it with just saying i can make custom stuff with this with actually building things and having them on there you can say this is what we do 
and we can make a custom version of that. So it's maybe not working out for you actually with sales of those exact pieces, but it's definitely helping your business pushing the custom side forward. Absolutely. So I'll piggyback off that real quick. I import wood from, from Costa Rica. It's all hand selected by myself. And then I also import uh, root systems from Thailand. And then I import olive wood from Turkey. So I've done a couple small, small shipments of stuff from Africa as well. Uh, but for the most part, the majority of my lumber is from Costa Rica. And uh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely, as far as the example pieces go, they've definitely helped me sell custom pieces. That's for sure. Because when a client walks into my shop, it's not the typical wood shop. You walk in, the whole left side of the shop is the actual wood shop area where you're, you get to see pieces that are from start to finish. Kind of, I usually have at least five to six uh, tables in production that you could see all different stages of different pieces. And then the whole right side of the shop, the perimeter is all vertical uh, wood slabs. And then I have piles of the cookie uh, cross-cut slabs and I have root systems throughout. And then I have about 10 finished tables. And what really sells a lot of people on my stuff, as funny as it sounds, is the feeling of it that you get when just touching it with your fingers. I mean, people love the smoothness of some of the finishes, or they love the, the raw live edge where some of them have some burl marks and they really like that texture. And when people get to actually get their hands on it and feel the epoxy and the wood grain and stuff like that, it, it really helps sell them. Because when you walk into a wood shop, uh, if I didn't have those example pieces, for instance, a lot of people aren't visionaries where they can't look at a dry piece of lumber and picture it as a finished piece. Where in my shop, you know, you could pick out a monkey pod slab that's leaned against the wall and it might be all dusty and might not look beautiful, but to the right of you, you have a finished monkey pod slab that I could say, okay, this is exactly what that slab would look like as a finished piece, just in that different shape and green. So it really does help sell custom pieces hundred percent. So I don't, I definitely don't regret building any of them. And I, I understand why people would be nervous to produce pieces and spend the money. Like for example, I have a conceptual table that I've been working on that I haven't seen anybody else. I've, I've looked high and low online. I haven't found anyone that has done a table like this before. And this, this concept table, it's been in the works for a while and I kind of work on it here and there, but all said and done, the table itself is going to cost me about $15,000, if not a little bit more just to produce the table my cost. And that's not even including my labor. That's just material. So, you know, that's, that's definitely like at the start of my business, I could have never afforded to do something like that. And thankfully with the success that my business has brought, I can periodically build a piece for fun that I have, you know, like I'll, I'll be sitting here in my office or, or out at lunch or whatever it may be. And I'll think about different designs and, and want to build them. But sometimes it's tough to just, you know, fork over the money and time to, to do that. You know, a year and a half ago, I would have never been able to do that. So I feel super fortunate that uh, my business success has allowed me to be able to do almost like hobby side tables for fun in conjunction with my business, you know, because when I'm done, I will be able to sell that piece. But right now it, it doesn't have a buyer. So it's, it's, 
pretty cool how that's, uh, you know, worked out for me. Talking more on the client experience, I want to talk a little bit about your website. And you have two things on there that really jump out to enhance an experience somebody would have coming to it. Number one is the chat feature. And that is a live chat feature that people can reach out. They don't have to email. They don't have to call. They can start a conversation right there on your website. The other thing is that you have the ability to do real space renders of some of your furniture in people's houses. And that gives them the option. They don't have to come to the showroom. They don't have to look at pictures. They don't have to imagine what it's going to look like. You have the ability to drop pieces right into people's spaces. So I want to talk about both of those options and one, why you decided to use them. And two, are they good to use? Have they been worthwhile? With that chat, do you find people using that and you get more business? Or do people still just email or call? And with the renders, is that a worthwhile thing to invest in? And have you seen feedback from clients and more importantly, money from clients coming in because of that? Yeah. So as far as the chat feature goes, I have my website connected to my phone where if someone goes on my website right now, I instantly get a notification. I actually know where they're located too. It doesn't tell me obviously like exactly where they are, but it'll say like someone from, uh, you know, New Jersey or, or a specific town, um, North Tawanda, New York, you know, boom, it'll pop up on my phone. And uh, so that's been really cool. However, uh, you know, people do not use that, that chat feature with me. I, I actually, I have not noticed. I put that on there just because I thought if someone goes on there real quick and has just a, a really simple question that they don't feel like submitting a, a request form or, or submitting an email or making a phone call, I thought they could just, you know, ask that and boom, it would pop up on my phone and I'd be able to answer instantly. But I don't find that for my business, people utilize it. I've, I've read some mixed reviews on it online as far as people utilizing it. And I guess it could actually harm your conversion rate in certain businesses having that on the website. Now, I don't see how that would be accurate with, with my business, you know, because for example, like if you were to walk into like a clothing store, people get annoyed when someone walks up to them and says, like, hey, can I help you real quick? And typically you'll just say, oh, I'm just browsing you know, and not want to be bothered. So some people feel like that chat button at the bottom kind of almost does that a little bit where it's like in your face. However, I've tried to make mine subtle. Like mine doesn't like pop up and like get large or anything like that. It's just kind of really subtle in the corner. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, I, I haven't seen any, not yet at least, um, any positive, you know, use out of it. Um, as far as the real space renderings, that's totally new. However, I have had success with it early on. So my fabricator, uh, Mitch, actually contacted me and he said, hey, you know, the renderings that you have me make, because I'll design a piece of furniture and I'll sketch it out and I'll send it over to him. And then he'll draw it up in a software that he could then cut it out uh, metal wise and, and make the, the table bases and stuff. And he's also able to put 
different types of tabletops, whether it be a river table or, or whatever it may be on there. But he's like, hey, I can actually make these into like a high quality rendering now. And what I can also do is if you take a picture of a room, I can then drag that rendering right into that room. And I was like, oh my God, that's, that's amazing. You know, I, I've seen really large companies, like I think Amazon just started doing it recently. Um, I'm like, that's a game changer, especially for, you know, a smaller furniture company like myself, like that really makes me stick out from, from the rest if I offer something like that. So at the time I had been working with a client in regards to uh, a large circular table for their living room. And she, she mentioned multiple times through text, like, I don't know if it's going to be too big. Like, I really can't tell if it's going to look right in the space. And I contacted her right away saying like, hey, if you want to send me pictures of that space, I'll be able to drag uh, a rendering exact size dimensionally of what that piece will look like. And you could see it literally in that room. And she's like, oh, my God, that, that would be amazing. And boom, done you know, easy as that, you know, like, yeah, it looks perfect. You know, that, that, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And uh, so that's, that's a totally a game changing tool, uh, technology. And I actually was just introduced to an additional software, where now I can actually scan a finished piece of mine. So I can go up to one of my tables in my showroom, I can walk around it and scan it. And then I can make that its own rendering and I could grab that and put that into a room as well. So I could actually walk into a room hypothetically, scan the entire room and then upload that into a software where I could rotate the room around and look at it from different perspectives. And I could also do that with a furniture piece of mine and then combine the two. And you could see exactly what that furniture piece would look like and be able to rotate the room and see it from all different perspectives. And then you can also add other pieces in that room. So you could see like, hey, if I put a couch here, a table here and whatever here, is it still gonna fit in that space? So that's something I'm also gonna be implementing soon. So my thought is it's it's definitely worth uh, the, it's not even so much of a, of a money investment, it's a time investment of learning how to utilize the software and then learning how to implement it into the selling process and dealing with clients. I mean, I, I can't imagine any client not wanting to utilize that. It's a really cool feature. I think it makes the whole tailored experience that much more unique and interesting for a client. I've used programs like that and being able to scan your furniture in and even something as simple as just using your phone and then you walk into a client's home and you can place that piece right down in real time on your phone and they can look at it right there and you can move it around and it is there's no other way to say it it is a game changer it is an amazing technology that is really making the customer experience so much better for people because Gone are the days where you have to imagine things. Gone are the days where you have to draw out designs for people in a space. Gone are the days of even Pinterest pictures or inspiration pictures. People can just say, this is what I want, and you can just drop it right into their space. So it's a whole nother conversation and a whole 
long road that we could go down, but the technology that is coming to the furniture world and the furniture design world is mind blowing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, you know, I honestly, I haven't even thought of that. Like, I know that's a thing, uh, but walking into a space and, and physically putting it there. Yeah. That's a, that's a different software. Um, but that that's, that's all. Yeah, for sure. A game changer. I mean, even like my new router, like my, it's not the newest thing on the market, but the origin shaper, uh, just the things that I've been able to do with that in the past uh, few months, messing around with that is, is a total game changer. The technology that they're coming out with for tool attachments and CNC options and, and softwares for, for design. It's, it's amazing the, the resources that we have now versus, you know, woodworkers back then, like our parents' age. Uh, it, it's really incredible the, what we're able to produce now versus what they were back then. And not even that far, not even a generation ago, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, we were talking about how it's changing the furniture design world. But yes, it's also changing the furniture tool world and how you're building stuff every year the technology gets so much better and it is revolutionizing the way people work and a one-person shop used to not be able to produce the same amount of work as a 10-person shop but now if you invest in the right tools if you invest in the right technology that one-person shop can turn out twice as much as what a 10-person shop could. And that's all because of the way tool technology is going. And it's an exciting thing to see it developing right before our eyes. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Talking about a shop and, and just how different people go about staffing their companies. I know that you have people who work for you, but you also have a lot of fabricators that have their own independent companies, but you also have the relationships with them that they're a part of your company as well. So you have a full staff, but you're not paying a full staff payroll you're paying just for the times when you need. Let's talk a little bit about why you decided to go that way where you are outsourcing things to trusted fabricators and not hiring people to keep it all in-house. Yeah, so that's that's really came from learning from mistakes quickly and just like a little bit of experience. So, you know, I've, I've had this like, this struggle uh, deciding, you know, where do I want to take this business? Cause it's catapulted a lot in the past few years. And how big do I want to go? Do I want to make it like where I have nationwide showrooms or do I want to just keep increasing my price and increasing my quality and spending more and more time on one-off custom pieces for clients that are, a little more higher end clientele uh, that won't appeal to as many people, but I'll be able to jack that price tag up and spend more time on those pieces. And do I want to do it that way? So 
throughout this time that I've had this business, I've kind of like thought both things. So I've had my typical like W-2 employees and I've had my 1099 contractors. And what I've noticed is when I have a W-2 employee, um, I found that I was worrying too much about what they were doing and making sure that they were always busy doing stuff and, and completing tasks. And it was really taken away from my own individual work. So I really struggled with that. Um, it's not that I'm the worst delegator. It's just really hard to have somebody, you know, have my name on something and have them produce it to like a quality or standard that like, you know, I'd be satisfied with. So like, I really struggled with that. And then, like I said, keeping somebody busy, making sure that you know, if I'm paying somebody $30 an hour, for instance, like, you know, they have to be making me enough money to cover their payroll and it has to be worth it for me. So, cause obviously I'm paying for their insurance and stuff like that. So I found that at least till now, uh, at this point in my business, uh, having W2 employee in it, you know what, if you find the right person, it's completely different. I just unfortunately haven't found the right person or people that have worked out for my business. But what I have right now is I have, like you mentioned, I have four fabricators that all four of them own their own fabrication companies. But I've developed really close relationships with each of them because I've allowed each of them to produce really custom unique pieces that they haven't done before. And they've been able to work with some of my clients with in conjunction with me to produce really extravagant pieces that work really well for their portfolio and that they're not used to being able to do. So then in combination with my work, we've been able to create not only custom furniture pieces, but full on commercial and residential spaces that are just totally unique and different. And I found that, you know, work, I, I don't have enough continuous, at least right now, continuous work to have a fabricator in my shop working, you know, 40 plus hours a week. However, I do have enough work to have, you know, one of my fabricators working on a base this week and another one working on a commercial job with me next week and uh, so on and so forth. So for me, business wise, it makes way more sense to do what I'm doing currently. Um, I'm not really sure where my business is going to take me in the next, you know, couple of years. Uh, so that might totally change. But as of right now, it's worked out really well. So what I'm, what I've got systematically right now is something that I'll probably keep for a bit until I, I guess, outgrow it. Your business is growing. It's changing. It's evolving at a very rapid pace. So the way you went about running your business at the beginning is not the way you ran it a year later or a year later or up until today. It's an ever changing thing, but you have had success and a lot of success and a lot of fast success. And with that comes an understanding of your business and things that you are doing well and things that are leading to the success of where you are today. There's a lot of people listening who want to start their own furniture company and want to know how they can start a successful furniture business. And there's also people who 
have been doing this for a long time and have had success but want to push that success. They see your rapid growth and they want to have that same type of growth. So from your experience in your furniture company up to now and with your previous business experiences, is there some advice that you could share with people if they want to grow their business into the success that you have had? I think a lot of the a good reason for the the rate in which my success has occurred is I've been able to very fortunately get in the right rooms with the right people. And I'm a very, I'm a very confident person and uh, I have a lot of confidence in my ability. So it's been, I wouldn't say it's the easiest thing, but I have a pretty easy time selling an idea and concept. I guess I think that's something that it's not the easiest thing that everybody really has um, as far as being able to, to sell, to sell themselves and um, their work. However, um, I'm trying to really trying to, I'm just trying to find the right words for Cause I think, I think giving advice to, uh, giving advice to the person that wants to get started in their, their woodworking business is, I don't know. I've had a really hard time answering this question. Well, <laughs> it's because, and this is what I talk about on this show all the time and why I have so many different people on with different ways that they've started their business because there's no one right way. There's no one answer. There's nothing that you can bottle and sell and somebody can buy it. And now they have a successful furniture company. I think that what you said about confidence is a big thing. And a lot of people think that confidence equals arrogance. Confidence in oneself equals arrogance. But the truth is, you need to have confidence in yourself. You need to have confidence in your work. You need to have confidence in your building and your skills to build that and to sell that because it's your company. Nobody's going to work harder than you to make it successful. And Getting in the right rooms with people is not always an easy thing, but if you have that confidence in yourself and you put yourself in the right places to succeed, then getting in the right rooms with people happens. It's just a byproduct of putting yourself in the right places to succeed. So I understand that it is hard to talk about because it's different for everybody, but a lot of the things you said in this interview are great takeaways. They're things that might not work for everyone's business, but for some people, they will. And that's the thing about owning your own business. You pick and choose 
different things that work for you. And you take all those things and you put them into your own business and make them work for yourself. For sure. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, it was definitely, when you asked that question, it, it, it was hard for me to, because that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to almost give you an answer that would work for everybody. But the simple fact is, is everybody's built differently and everyone has their own skills and abilities. And there might be some furniture work, uh, builders, like I said, that are extraordinarily talented builders. And then there's some that they might not necessarily be the best builders, but they're they're business savvy and they're, they're confident and they're well-spoken and they're able to sell themselves really well. Um, and then there's some people that have both, you know, and there's, there's people that have all different things to offer. So when it comes to, you know, having a furniture company and starting it, my perspective is, is just having the confidence uh, to do it. And if you're confident in your product, then it's that much easier to sell. You know, if I was a car salesman and I'm trying to sell, you know, O2 Chevy, you know, I don't even know, it's Chevy Malibu. You know, I'm not going to have that much enthusiasm talking about it. But if I talk about the new 2023 Z06 Corvette that has the highest horsepower naturally aspirated V8 engine ever made, you know, I'm going to talk about that car with enthusiasm because it's truly amazing and it's going to be that much easier to sell. So, um, you know, if you're confident in your product and your ability uh, and you're able to talk about it and you're, and you're passionate about it, you know, you just got to be able to translate that into a conversation with a client. And and like you said, you know, and and as time goes on, you don't need everything at the beginning. Like I started this company with pallet wood planks, uh, air compressor and a nail gun, you know, and that's not necessarily, that's not a furniture company. I understand that. That was just accent walls, but I had very limited tools when I first started the company and you don't have to start off making 12, 15, $25,000 river tables and epoxy tables with intricate metal bases. And, uh, cause you know, I sure as hell didn't, you know, I, I started with the whole farmhouse thing. I was building, you know, four or $500, you know, barn doors. And then I was doing, you know, six, $700 accent walls. And then, um, what's funny is a client actually just contacted me about six months ago. I had built them a custom dog crate, uh, a two dog dog crate for them a while ago and it was kind of like a versatile multi-function piece of furniture it was like uh it's almost like a big serving table and it had it was it was all wood with metal uh vertical posts and bars to to keep the dogs in there uh with two sliding uh kind of mini barn doors to keep their dogs in but they he contacted me and said hey unfortunately i now only have one dog would you be interested in purchasing this uh, from me and maybe reselling it to one of your clients. And I actually ended up buying it back from him. And when I got it back to my shop, as funny as it sounds, I smashed it to pieces with a hammer <laughs> just because, you know, it's, uh, my, my quality of work has increased so much throughout the, the past few years that like, I would no longer, you know, want to put my, 
my name on that piece. Not that I'm ashamed of it or anything like that, but my my quality of my product has increased so much because you know I now have better tools, I have more knowledge and skill set and stuff like that. But the thing is, is like I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for making those pieces and learning along the way. You know, you're not going to be able to just start off making the most incredible things in the world. And if you are, if you're already that really, really skilled woodworker that might do it as a hobby, then you're just that much more ahead. I really do appreciate those answers and the answers that you've given throughout this episode. And I also appreciate your time and you taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and talk with me and share your building journey and your business journey and how you got to where you are today. And I know from talking with you that this is not where you're going to stop. You have a lot more in you and are going to be taking this furniture company to amazing heights. So I wish you all the best of luck and success moving forward and congratulations on where you've gotten to and best of luck in the future. Well, thank you so much. You know, it's an honor to, to be asked to do stuff like this. Uh, so I, I greatly appreciate it. It's been a blessing to be where I'm at. And uh, I think it's really cool that you have a platform that you're able to share stories like this. You know, I know listening to stories like this could really change someone's perspective and, and really give them confidence and really go after uh, what they want to do. So I think it's really awesome what you're doing. So thanks so much for letting me be a part of it. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you like to listen. To learn more about the show, you can visit buildingafurniturebrand.com. And feel free to reach out anytime to say, hey, ask a question, or suggest a guest for future episodes. Our email is hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can follow along with me on Instagram at thebuildwithethan, and I can't wait to bring you the next episode. This show is produced and edited by me, Ethan Abramson. Hope you enjoyed, and thanks so much for listening. The Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson podcast is proudly part of the Woodpreneur Network the media network and community for wood entrepreneurs. Check out woodpreneurlife.com for more information.